Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of This Show is All About You, a show about all the ways in which you and me become we and what that means for all of us. I'm your host, as always, JDK Winnikin. You can find out more about me at my website, wordsbyjdk.com, and on my social media feeds at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look for JDK Winnikin, W-Y-N-E-K-E-N, and you'll find me pretty quickly. would love to hear from you and uh, chat a little bit about what we're talking about this, this week and this month, uh, which is the subject of play. We started it last week. And so for today, uh, episode 18, uh, May 10th, uh, 2021, as it is, uh, we are taking our second look at this idea of play, our theme for the month. And uh, as such, the title for today's episode is At the Top of the Play Parade. Last week, I put forward what I call JDK's May Play Challenge, in which I put uh, weekly challenges in front of you to uh, re-engage with that uh, inner part of us that is wired for play. And in, and kind of looking down the line a little bit, we're going to talk about play in the brain and a few other things like that that will help uh, strengthen that up. But this week, I want to talk a little bit about uh, how the challenge went uh, for me and for uh, some of you out there this past week, and then talk a little bit about why it is so important from a very young age to really cultivate, cultivate this idea uh, and this practice of play. And I suggested last week, among which what a number of experts have suggested, that it's actually one of the most important things we can learn to do for ourselves uh, and with our loved ones, particularly with children. And so the haiku for this week to frame all of this, uh, this is a unique haiku, and I'll explain why here in just a minute. But the haiku goes like this. What if I laughed more at myself while playing hard? No rules, only fun. What if I laughed more at myself while playing hard? No rules, only fun. And I, really the reason why that's unique is that this is the first haiku in the history of this show that wasn't written by me. Uh, it was actually written in response to this play challenge that I put out last week uh, by my producer, uh, Stacy, who is somewhere flying over the country right now. And uh, it was really funny. Last week when I was putting this challenge out uh, in front of all of you here in the studio, uh, for the first time, she said, since she was in middle school, I think, she sat down and w tried to write a haiku. And she came up with that. And not only did she try to, but she nailed it. Uh, it's an absolutely fantastic haiku for today and just in general. And y'all should have seen the look on her face when she wrote it and she read it. And I liked it. Uh, talk about having a lot of fun and connecting a lot with that side of herself. Uh, so I wanted to honor that, uh, her participation and all that, by making that the haiku for the day. So uh, thanks, Stacy, for that. So just to recap really quickly, I asked everybody last week, when was the last time you really played? And, and we talked about how broad that term usually is. And that we tend to think we know what it is and, and that we sometimes consider anything we do that's fun to be play. And I suggested last time that that's not the case. In fact, really what we talk about when we're talking about play are things that are uh, spontaneous and creative. They're open-ended. Uh, they're joyful. Uh, and really, they are something that is unstructured for the most part, although some structure with it can go well. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that means today. And so last week, I had put forward the challenge to all of you on the basis of that to really be, to ask yourself the following question. When was the last time you played? And whatever the answer to that was, how did you feel about it? And I, 
got some really interesting feedback from a number of listeners uh, that I wanted to share just a few of them. Uh, Several people couldn't remember when was the last time they actually played. They could recall a few times as children, uh, a few times that really stood out to them, uh, but they couldn't really remember the last time they had done play around that criteria. And they included their their feelings about it were uh, some some disquiet about that, the idea that perhaps, you know, they were asking themselves, does that mean I don't know how to play? I don't know how to have fun? Does it mean there's something wrong with me? And my suggestion was no, <laughs> not necessarily. You're like a lot of people in regards to that. Uh, but also some people responded that uh, they didn't really know they still could. And so it became a really interesting idea for them to pursue play. So that was the, those were the answers that some people gave me on that. And then the second thing I had asked last week was to notice when you see others playing, your kids, friends, or strangers, uh, what do you notice? And several people uh, chimed in on this as well, seeing, watching their kids play, for example, uh, just in the backyard. Uh, others uh, watching families at parks, uh, others at the beach, uh, things like that. And almost without exception, in fact, I think everybody who responded to this said the same thing. What they noticed was not just how, how fun it was, but how carefree and open and uninhibited it was for those people. They weren't paying attention to things maybe that oftentimes we do pay a lot of attention to. What will people think about what we're doing? How do we look? Uh, how does this sound? Uh, does it sound silly? Does it sound stupid? Does it sound childish? They weren't worried about that, whether it was children or adults. Uh, many of them, the people who responded, saw families playing. And several of them said upon seeing that, they reflected upon their own families, either the families they're currently in right now or growing up, and saw it, remembered those moments they had with family with joy. In some cases, uh, people did tell me that they never had any experiences like that growing up. And so the response to that really brought forward a lot of uh, emotions and feelings and thoughts for people. And then the third thing I suggested, or what asked as part of Weeks One's challenge, was to have an idea of the next thing you'd like to do that is play. Like, what would sound fun? And the examples that I got, uh, I got a lot of different suggestions. Uh, some, somebody said to me, I can't wait for winter to come again so I can start a snowball fight uh, with some friends or with my family or uh, create a snow fort, that type of thing. And I suggested uh, maybe there's an equivalent they can do in the summer months, uh, that type of thing. Certainly going to the beach and building sandcastles and, and those types of things uh, would fit in with that. Uh, there were others who took me up on one of the things that I do, and that is uh, dancing while cooking. <laughs> I was really excited to, to hear that. I didn't realize that would be such a hit. Uh, it was kind of fun for me to experience that because uh, I didn't feel like I was the only one who may do that. And uh, it was all to different types of music. My, my choice is usually, as I said, Motown or funk. Uh, some people were doing that to country, uh, other people to, uh, oh, various types of music, really, and, and found it really, here's some of the words, uh, relaxing, uh, stress-reducing. Uh, one person said to me, I could talk to my partner more easily and more openly after that. Uh, and so even something as simple as that, uh, dancing to music, it doesn't have to be while you're cooking, certainly. 
could be anywhere. It could be in your garage, it could be in your house, it could be in your backyard. Those types of things that are open, spontaneous, fun, don't really have to choreograph anything. Uh, in some ways, that whole idea of kind of dancing to music on your own kind of encapsulates in a lot of ways uh, all those things about play. It's joyful, it's creative, it's open-ended for as long as you can, you know, as long as you can keep up the energy. Uh, and you don't necessarily have to know any moves, and it doesn't matter what anybody thinks because nobody's watching anyway, right? those, those types of things. Uh, and so it was in that spirit, of course, that, that I put the challenge out there in the first place, was to just get us thinking about these things and, and to get me thinking. And some of the things that I realized uh, for me in this past week was that really besides dancing when, I, you know, when I'm cooking, uh, I don't always uh, do those types of play things that are, are really open-ended like that, spontaneous or creative. I tend to channel myself into uh, things like athletic pursuits or writing. And as I said last week, there's nothing wrong with any of those. Those things build other parts of ourselves that are also really important. But what I noticed is throughout the week, as I thought about it more, as I reflected more, as I heard from listeners and corresponded with them, uh, that I wanted more of it, <laughs> that really there are times where I really yearn for it. And either because of, you know, I'm in the middle of my work day or I'm tired at the end of the day or I'm distracted or I'm going through something difficult emotionally, I don't necessarily pursue it. It's almost like I tend to fit that in or if I'm going to do it, I have to fit it into everything else. And it brought up the question to me of why don't I don't always flip that on its head and find the play maybe first or higher up on the priority list and then fit in other things <laughs> that that maybe um, aren't as uh, uplifting for me or aren't as exciting for me. Why don't I do that? And the answer, you know, comes from a number of different directions. Uh, there's some conditioning in there, some of the things that I'm used to doing. Sometimes it's just sheer necessity. I'm in the middle of my workday. I can't do it right away. Uh, but it's a complex mix. And I share the feeling that a lot of listeners uh, shared with me this past week of feeling a little bit of that disquiet and a little bit of that yearning of wanting more of it and not always being sure about it. I had a number of people, family members, uh, friends, and, and others, ask me this week, giving me examples. Uh, would this count? Would this count as play? Right? If, I'm, if I'm in an adult kickball league, does that count as play? Sure, it could, uh, until it gets you know, too overburdened with rules and things like that. Um, I think it, it does count uh, uh, for that. And uh, one of the other things I was thinking about was back last summer in the midst of uh, one of the big COVID lockdowns, I went and paid a social distance a visit to my family, to my parents. Uh, and they have a big cornhole set, right? The beanbag uh, set, being able to you know, toss beanbags back and forth. And we put it out in the backyard. It was a beautiful day. And everybody had their own beanbags, right? So we didn't have to touch, um, touch anything other than our own beanbags. And stood in the backyard and played for about a half hour or so. And it was the first time I had done anything like that with my folks uh, in a lot of years. Not that I haven't had fun with my folks, not that I haven't enjoyed time with my folks, but it was interesting to share that dynamic with them. And what I remember, it was enjoyable. Everybody was laughing. Um, my mom, as it turns out, is a complete shark at it, uh, which I also didn't know and would never have learned unless I had seen it with my own eyes. And it was 
a lot of fun and it was really uplifting. And particularly at that time, uh, in the early stages of the pandemic, uh, my parents were certainly nervous uh, about uh, acquiring the virus and getting sick. And we all were. And so to have play like that with them in retrospect was a real gift. And so all those things taken together kind of brought me to this point for today, building off of everything that I learned and all the interactions that I had with everybody uh, to the second week of JDK's May Play Challenge. And I will get to that towards uh, towards the end of the show. But to, to really transition it right now, uh, what I'd like to talk about is kind of rolling back to taking a look at why this is so important in the first place. And next week, we'll, we'll talk about uh, kind of brain chemistry and a few other things like that, the science behind this a little bit more. Uh, but where I'd like to start uh, today, building on that, is taking a look at why this is so important uh, with kids. Right? And so actually, you know, before we do that, what we'll do is we'll take a really quick break. And when we come back, we'll jump into uh, that discussion here on This Show is All About You. Stick around. Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuyper Counseling. This is Rob Bates, and I want you to tune in to Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Howard. The show that brings joy from pain, sunshine where it rains. Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Howard. And that's coming from me, Mr. It Takes Two, Rob Tune in. Do what Rob Bass says. Take a listen to Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Heller. That's me. Tuesdays from 3 to 4 on KKNW. To find out more information, check out my website, stacyconnects.com, or text D-A-M-T-T to 55678. Walking your talk? Take us with you. The KKNW app makes streaming our programming easy on your phone or tablet. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to This Show is All About You. I am your host, J.D.K. Winnikin, and we are continuing our push through my May Play Challenge, uh, the second week of that challenge. And before the break, I was talking a little bit about the feedback I received from all of you last week about uh, about play and what you'd noticed. And uh, this week, as we move towards the, the next challenge I'm going to give you here at the end of the show, I wanted to kind of go back and go a little bit deeper into some of the roots of play and its importance and and really talk about it in the framework of kids, children, and why this is so important to them. And I, I mentioned at the top of the show last week that uh, experts the world over have been talking about play for quite some time. And there's like there is in any other social science discourse, there's a lot of debate about that. But the one thing that all of that has in common is that really play is vital, a vital thing for children to engage in. Uh, in order for them to develop to their healthiest extent uh, as much as possible. And where I wanted to talk a little bit about where all this came together, I looked around for, through various sources and read uh, a number of experts, but I found a, a report in the Journal of the American Academy of Pediatrics back in 2008 that talked about this in ways that I think make really clear what play does, particularly for children. And then I would suggest by extension it means it remains important for us throughout our lives. 
certainly for all of you who are parents out there, it's going to, you know, this will resonate as well because it's important for, for your children as well. But this is what it talks about. Um, and I learned some things that I didn't know. I didn't realize, I didn't know that back in uh, 2007, the United Nations High Commission for Human Rights uh, determined that play is optimal to child development and therefore is the right of every child. That's the UN uh, High Commission for Human Rights ruled that. Uh, and essentially what it, it says uh, is this, the birthright of all children is challenged by forces including child labor and exploitation practices, war and neighborhood violence, and limited resources available to children living in poverty. And then it says this, and it's a, there's a, a quote I'd like to, to read to you uh, from this report. Quote, however, even those children who are fortunate enough to have abundant available resources and who live in relative peace may not be fully uh, receiving the benefits of play. Many of these children's are be- children are being raised in an increasingly hurried and pressured style that may limit the protective benefits they would gain from child-driven play. Protective benefits they would gain from child-driven play. Because every child deserves the opportunity to develop to their unique potential, child advocates must consider all factors that interfere with optimal development and press for circumstances that allow each child to fully reap the advantages associated with play. And of course, what leapt off to me there is the section I read to you twice. Protective benefits that children would receive from child-driven play. And certainly the element of living in a really hurried society in a pressured style uh, really resonates uh, for me and for many others uh, today as well. But protective benefits. Of course, what that suggests is that by children engaging in play with those, with those uh, qualifications that I listed earlier, that it's unstructured, that it's fairly spontaneous, that it's child-driven by them, uh, that it's creative, is actually vital to children learning how to develop a sense of self-protection, which I think encompasses a lot of things. And as I looked into this report more, I discovered more of what they meant. And this is what the report mentions about the benefits of play. Again, another quote. And be be listening to all the qualities that play produces and be thinking about not just how this applies to kids and why this is so important, but why it could still apply to all of us as adults uh, as something to effectively engage in. Here's what the report says is on the benefits of play. Quote, play allows children to use their creativity while developing their imagination, dexterity, and physical, cognitive, and emotional strength. Play is important to healthy brain development. And it is through play that children from a very early age engage and interact in the world around them. Play allows children to create and explore a world they can master, conquering their fear while practicing adult roles, sometimes in conjunction with other children or adult caregivers. As they master their world, play helps children develop new competencies that lead to enhanced confidence and the resiliency they will need to face future challenges. It's a lot to chew on right there. Uh, but certainly I love the idea of children can create and explore a world they can master. It's a way for them to practice doing so in the real world as they get older, to develop the skills uh, and the willingness and the ability and the emotional dexterity to be able to do that. It's something that I hadn't really ever thought about before until I realized that when I was a kid, one of the things that I really enjoyed doing was creating adventures in which there was a bad guy or something to, something to defeat, or something that was supposed to be frightening. And in the end, to try to overcome that. 
And I never, it never occurred to me, even as an adult, that that would be such an important practice for me as a child to be able to develop for not necessarily that I was going to face um, something physically threatening like that in the future, but the ability to take myself through the exercise, the practice, through play, a safe environment because it was an environment I was creating myself. That never occurred to me before and really resonated with me when I read this. And then one last thing from this report. Uh, Here's something else it says, quote, undirected play, undirected play, allows children to learn how to work in groups, to share, to negotiate, to resolve conflicts, and to learn self-advocacy. When play is allowed to be child-driven, children practice decision-making skills, move at their own pace, discover their own areas of interest, and ultimately engage fully in the passions they wish to pursue. Ideally, much of play involves adults, but when play is controlled by adults, children acquiesce to adult rules and concerns and lose some of the benefits that play offers them, particularly in developing creativity, leadership, and group skills. More or less, what that says to me is that really what can happen is if adults get in the way of these things, of or establishing it the rules for themselves, it takes away that ability for children to develop those worlds for themselves that they can master. So it's, and it's obviously a really, really fine line between those things. And in subsequent weeks, we'll talk a little bit more uh, about how to understand those lines and how to make sure one, uh, one keeps them rather than blurs them. So what's exciting to me about this is every single thing that I look at in here could be just as applicable to me today as it was when I was a kid. There's absolutely nothing wrong, seems to me, with continuing to engage as adults in play to remind ourselves, if nothing else, <laughs> that we have this ability, that all of those skills, self-advocacy, resiliency, enhanced confidence, new competencies, to be able to negotiate, to resolve conflicts, to work in groups, to share. We spend a lot of time as adults talking about all of those ways, all of those things, better ways to do them. There are webinars dedicated to that for uh, employees in practically every single industry to learn how to do that in the workforce. And certainly there are a lot of people who talk about how to do it in families or in social settings, that type of thing. Well, no wonder if play is that important, then wow, no wonder it's something that uh, people love to do and why it's so important for us to engage in it or re-engage in it. So what's happened along the way? Well, certainly, as the report points out, that particularly over the last couple of decades, what it calls uh, hurried and pressured uh, environments and uh, for, for children have really developed. And what's happened, of course, and we've all seen this, uh, We've gotten more busy, seemingly. We've overscheduled. I would say we've underconnected, perhaps. We've overscheduled our kids. We've overscheduled ourselves. All in, from my vantage point, and this will be uh, interesting to see what you guys think of this, I think it's because of an increased emphasis first on achievement rather than child development on their own. And, and of course, it's because it seems, and I used to see this a lot as a college professor, uh, and as a, a tutor for middle school and high school kids, uh, that oftentimes this, this achievement, this drive for achievement is because of this perceived competition that all children are in or adults seem to think that they're in for a healthy and successful place in life. And from my vantage point, that's a place of scarcity, 
right? It's from the idea that there isn't enough for people out there or that kids won't develop enough on their own or won't be able to make effectively the best choices they can, um, both as children, as teens, and then as adults, to live a successful life. And what, of course, can happen with that is you can get the so-called helicopter parent, I suppose, but you can also get uh, burnout. <laughs> Parents that go stri- get so stressed out about this that they burn out or they get bored um, or they're not sure what to do to keep their own sanity. And so they fall back on what is called passive entertainment. Right? On one hand, give the kid a video to watch. Driving down the street, seeing the video cameras or the video sh- shows playing in the back of the car uh, is a pretty common thing for me. Or it could be the flip side. Their days are overscheduled and is, they're kept really busy. Maybe it's in um, activities that the kids really enjoy, but also part of that is to help the parents out, to help themselves out, I would say. And so in all of that together, whatever it might be, the time, the bandwidth, the energy for play disappears, or it can become so over-controlled that it loses its potency and its effectiveness. But it doesn't have to stay that way, I would suggest, as just our way of closing. Coming out of the pandemic... Uh, we've learned a lot during this pandemic about not being able to really go through with all the things we've overscheduled, right? Activities have been canceled. Certainly school has. Um, extracurricular activities have been canceled or limited. We've had to spend more time with one another. We've had an opportunity to really filter out what things really are enjoyable, what things are not, and what best ways to connect with one another. And I would suggest this is the perfect time for us to be thinking about how we can engender more play and maybe restructure our post-pandemic timeframes for ourselves and for our kids in ways that not only fit time in for play, as I suggested I'm struggling with, but actually make play a priority first. And then the effect of that could cascade over into all those other things. So the challenge for you this week as we wrap up this episode is to be thinking about what you would want that to look like. Uh, to maybe engage in play, to find something. Some of you are ahead of the game, but to find something to engage in on your own and certainly if you have kids, to open up that possibility uh, and open up the opportunities for you all to play together and let the kids run the show and see what happens and see what it feels like. Um, I'll be digging into it too in my own way uh, over this next week. And so that's your challenge for next week is to find something that is play that you can do particularly with other people and engage in it and tell me how that goes for you. Okay, so enjoy that process. It certainly can't hurt you in any way. Uh, And so next week we'll talk a little bit more about that and dig into some of the science of this. So thanks for joining me on this episode of This Show is All About You. I'm your host, J.D.K. Winnikin. And until I see you next week, chins up, everyone. 